Amen. My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to add my welcome to you. And uh, you've probably seen uh, and Jeff mentioned that we have a, a fall events flyer out. So I uh, want to just call your attention to that. You're going to be hearing more about that today in the next few weeks. Uh, these are ways that we are hoping that we can create opportunities for everyone here at Faith Covenant Church to connect to grow and to serve, which are the words that we are using to describe our discipleship journey with Jesus. Uh, we connect with God and with one another in Christian community, and through those relationships with Jesus and uh, one another, we begin to grow as the Holy Spirit uses those relationships to shape and to mold us, and then ultimately we have a sense of calling from the Lord that He has shaped and, and gifted us with the abilities to serve others in Jesus' name so that we can be a blessing to those around us. So these are ways that uh, we'd love for you to prayerfully consider. Uh, and I would just call out if there's something, if there's nothing in here that you connect with or that is a place for you to, that you can kind of let us know you have an interest in, let us know what you're interested in because we love to try and work in finding a place for everyone here. So if, if there's not something here, we'd love to talk about it. Uh, I'll take you out to coffee and we can hear more about your heart and what your needs are. A couple of the things I just do want to mention, there are some uh, dates, uh, time-sensitive dates in there for, uh, particularly the disciple training starts this Tuesday night. Uh, we're going to be doing the fourth Tuesdays in September, October, November with a celebration lunch in December. You can come and check it out today after the service. We're going to have a lunch in Snelling Hall uh, and decide today if you want to sign up or not, but this is probably the best day to go ahead and get registered for that because we're going to hit the ground running on Tuesday and uh, we'd love for you to be a part of that if that's something that uh, scratches where you itch today. Also, um, we have our Financial Peace University that's starting on October 12th. Uh, there is a registration involved, and that's a commitment for, I believe, nine sessions. Is that right, Scott? Nine sessions. So we want you to get that on your calendar, uh, get signed up for that uh, as soon as possible as well. Uh, before we wrap up our series that uh, we're calling Innies and Outies, uh, I want, just want to pray for us one more time, ask God to bless our kids as they go to their kids' worship, but also our time of looking into God's Word. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have wired each one of us uniquely and differently, and that in your wisdom you have designed your church to be a place where everyone is needed, and everyone's abilities and gifts are a part of the ministry, the service that you've given us as followers of Jesus, to be light in the darkness, to be the body of Christ in a lost and a hurting world. And I pray that you will speak to us again through your word today about how you have uniquely shaped, molded, and called each one of us to be a part of your kingdom in this time, in this place, and in this season. Would you bless us through your spirit and through your word today? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We've been talking about for the last uh, three weeks or two weeks, this is our third week, uh, uh, at the differences between how we're wired as introverts and extroverts as kind of an example of how the Apostle Paul talks about the way that God has designed the body of Christ to operate, particularly in chapters 12 and 13 of 1 Corinthians. In verse 12 of chapter 12, Paul said, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So it is with people who are followers of Jesus. So it is with what it means to be church. In verse 27, he says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. 
Part of the challenge that we've been acknowledging is that many of the things that we might think about or associate or experience as church today often seem to be more designed for the more extroverted people among us. Uh, Many people who are more introverted may have a harder time connecting with a lot of the more upfront or public or exuberant uh, expressions of worship, and so you might feel uh, somewhat of an imposter in church at times. Sometimes the pressure to adopt more extroverted personality traits, even in our personality-driven culture we're recognizing, can be something that we feel like unless you are this exuberant, emotional, uh, social person, maybe you're just kind of a a second-class citizen in the church or maybe even in the world. But the reality is that what we're recognizing is that uh, one-third to one-half of all people are introverts. Not everyone is an extrovert, and, and we are designed and created by God that way. And so if we're all designed to be a part of the body of Christ, then we have to learn how we connect differently as introverts and extroverts, how we grow differently and how we serve differently so that as we can create a church for everyone, we can find a place where everyone can hopefully find meaningful, significant places of connection, growth, and service because that is the discipleship pathway that we walk with Jesus. Now, we know that we need extroverts, right? We, we, extroverts are great at gathering people, at throwing parties, at, at hosting celebrations, providing hospitality and welcoming new people, all things that we want to be about as a faith community. But we've also been recognizing in this series that if we only engage with one another in these more public social events and we don't have a chance to to go deeper into life-on-life relationships with one another, those kinds of more personal face-to-face experiences that maybe our more introverted, introverted folks are more wired to do well, we may be missing one of the most critically important aspects of what Christian discipleship is all about. In fact, Paul goes on to say in chapter 13 that we looked at last week that the more extroverted and public and upfront forms of ministry and church, if we're not careful, can actually become more of a show for other people rather than a sign of our genuine growth and maturity in our relationship with Jesus. The more outward and extroverted forms of our faith, things like speaking in public and speaking in tongues, Paul said, prophecy, words of knowledge, even acts of giving and charity and service, he said, can all be done for the wrong motives and for all the wrong reasons. While in contrast, he says, it's the inward character development, it's the heart of the Christian that truly defines our growth and our maturity into Christ-likeness. A maturity and a character that Paul identifies as our increasing capacity to love other people well and in Jesus' name. Now, in Paul's context, we talk about at the church in Corinth, uh, this dynamic was manifesting itself in an increasing conflict in the church over who was really spiritual and who wasn't. Right? And these extroverted forms of, of uh, spiritual gifts were, were kind of being valued more than the, the other kinds of gifts. And if you weren't maybe speaking in tongues or you weren't prophesying or you weren't doing some of these uh, upfront kind of public things, maybe you just weren't really as connected with God as some of those other people. You know, maybe you just weren't as spiritual as some of us other folks who can stand on the platform and speak to crowds of people without, well, I sweat, but you know without falling apart. 
In 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, Paul identifies that it was the more charismatic, extroverted, and upfront ministries that were garnering all the attention and getting all the value in the church. And last week, we, I suggested that the term spiritual gifts itself might be kind of a misnomer. And as we wrap up today, I want to go back to the beginning of chapter 12, and let's unpack that concept of just what spiritual gifts really are. And how does that impact the way that we serve as both introverts and extroverts in the church? If we go back to verse 1 of chapter 12, he says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now, I just want to pause right there because the NIV has, I think, done us a good service in how they've translated this passage because it says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Almost every other translation that you find, though, whether it's the NRSV or the New King James or the ESV or the ASV, they all translate it saying, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. And so we get this term, spiritual gifts, from this verse that Paul starts off with here. But you also look in your notation in your Bible, it will say that that word gift could also possibly be translated spiritual persons. And so some scholars would suggest that what Paul is trying to get at here is, now concerning who is really spiritual among you, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to understand how this whole thing with the Holy Spirit operates. He says, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Basically, he's saying, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you have said yes to Jesus and you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, you have the Spirit right? There's no, not some Christians who are, you know, on the A team and they have the Spirit, and there's some Christians who are on the B team and they don't have the Spirit. Part of the definition of being a Christian is that you have the Holy Spirit. So he goes on in verse 4 and says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And now hear this next verse. Verse 7, I think, is the critical key verse as far as I'm concerned when it comes to understanding spiritual gifts in the Bible. He says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in tongues, different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation in tongues. All of these things, and, and, and scholars would suggest that this isn't supposed to be an exhaustive list of all the ways that the Spirit manifests Himself. This is just, you know, Paul's running list of all the things he can think of off the top of his head that he he sees happening in the church. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So I want to provide three takeaways for us today. The first takeaway from this is that spiritual gifts are not personal talents that we possess. Spiritual gifts are not personal talents that we possess. We have taken these biblical words, gifts, 
and talents. Talent was what? A form of money, right? But in our culture even, these words have become you know, ubiquitous. They're everywhere. You know, we think of being gifted and talented as something that uh, describes a human being who's, who's really exceptional at doing stuff, right? So how easy is it for us to put the word spiritual on gift and begin to attribute it to something that we have, that it's our talent, it's something we can do? In our minds, personal giftedness and talentedness is all about being exceptional among our brothers and sisters in the human race and how easily that can creep into our experience of church and that some Christians are more exceptional than others based on their talentedness and their giftedness rather than understanding what Paul is really talking about here. See, again, spiritual gifts are not personal talents we possess. He clearly said in verse 7, right? The key verse I said, spiritual gifts are what? Manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So it would be more accurate to speak like the NIV does of gifts of the Spirit. These are the places that, that when we give ourselves to serve God's kingdom and we use our natural talents and our natural abilities that God has crafted into us that we were born with and that we've developed through practice and learning and we use those to be a blessing to others that God comes through His Holy Spirit and He puts His super on our natural. And so the fruit of what we can do in ministry is multiplied by the power of God's Holy Spirit, not because of what we can do, but because of what God can do through us if we are willing to humble ourselves and allow Him to use us for His kingdom. Does that make sense? If you've come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you've dedicated your life to following Jesus as His disciple, Paul says, then you've done so by the revelation that the Holy Spirit has given you of who Christ is and the gift that He offers you so you could even say yes to Jesus in the first place. Every believer has the gift because it is only one gift. It's the gift of God Himself. It's not our gifts, it's not our talents, it's God's presence working in our life. That's what it means, Paul says, to be a Christian, to be a believer. Even our faith in Jesus has been given to us as a gift of the Spirit of Christ within us. So since the Spirit, since Gifts of the Spirit are not our personal abilities that belong to us or that are within our power or control. And the presence of God's Spirit at work within us, uh, it, they can never become a source of pride for us because it's nothing that we can control or do in our own strength. It's only the gift that God blesses us with to, to manifest Himself and to use our meager offerings for His purposes. In fact, it really is just the opposite. It really is a, a greater cause for humility and gratitude to imagine that the God of the universe would, would use me or would use you to actually be a blessing for his kingdom for the people around us. See, Paul says the gifts of the Spirit are ministry functions. They're serving functions that the God does in and through his people in their relationships with one another. I love how Eugene Peterson translated verse 1 of chapter 12 there, he says, what I want to talk about now is the various ways God's Spirit gets worked into our lives. I love the way he said, I think he's right on. I think that's what Paul was wanting to talk about. 
We're talking about the various ways that the Holy Spirit gets worked into our lives when we make ourselves available to be servants of Christ and His kingdom. Using the term spiritual gifts can make it sound more like gifts that, and talents that, that we demonstrate, that, that you're actually a more spiritual person the more gifts you can demonstrate, right? But that's the, the second takeaway I want to point us to, is Paul clearly tells us that gifts of the Spirit are not signs of spiritual maturity. Gifts of the Spirit are not signs of spiritual maturity. What the Bible teaches us is that the character of spiritual maturity is not the gifts of the Spirit, but the real evidence, Paul says, is the fruit of the Spirit manifesting itself in our lives and our relationships. And if you remember, Pastor Jeff walked us through the gifts of the, or the fruit of the Spirit this summer, right? From Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are all the evidence of a maturing, growing person in their relationship with Jesus. Paul spends the entirety of chapter 13 that we talked about last week trying to help us to see that it's the fruit of the Spirit that is the sign of our character and our maturity in Christ. And most importantly, out of all of that is our ability to demonstrate love. Because it's, it's love and it's the fruit of the Spirit that guides the, the use and, and the proper functioning of the gifts of the Spirit in Christian community. And can I even suggest that being able to identify your spiritual gift or your spiritual gifts is less important than making sure that your personal ministry and your service to, to God and His kingdom is formed around a, a genuine passion and a desire to love somebody else. Because if we're not genuinely loving somebody else in Jesus' name in a sacrificial attempt to serve others because of God's call on our life, then it's possible that we're doing a lot of these Christian-y things just for show to, to get other people to think that we're people of deeper faith than maybe we really are. If our sole motivation is to follow Jesus and in his name to seek to serve others out of love and compassion, which is passing on the same gift that we've received from Jesus, then we can be sure, Paul says, that God is going to show up in those places. God is going to come alongside you and he is going to put his super on your natural and he's going to empower you to do things that you didn't even know were possible. So whether you're an any or an Audi, each Christian is called, Paul says, to be a part of the ministries of Christ's church. Every Christian is needed to, to contribute whatever they can contribute for the health and the welfare and the growth of the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit works in and through each one of us, whether we are realizing it or not, in different ways and at different times in the ways that He determines and desires. So the real question it's not your own ability and how spiritual of a person you are or how spiritually gifted you may feel this morning. The real question is, are we able and willing to discern what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives at any given moment, at any given time, and respond in obedience to follow the call of Jesus to serve others in his name? That's really the crux of what Paul is talking about. The real gift is the gospel message, 
right? That God has given himself to us in his son Jesus, that, that he didn't withhold anything, but he gave his entire life as a sacrifice on the cross to, to pay for the sin and the debt of the entire human race, and that God raised him to new life and, and exalted him to heaven where he sits at the right hand of the throne of God, where all power and authority is, is under him. And he has called his disciples, right, to go into all the world and do what? Make disciples, by loving other people, using the, the, the power of his spirit that he has freely given to us, which is what we saw in, in Acts, right? When, when the Holy Spirit is poured out and people began speaking in tongues and people began hearing other languages, it, it, was an all, it wasn't about this kind of wacky weirdness that, that you know, God was wanting to just kind of freak people out. <laughs> it was signs and evidence that God was at work doing something new. And that the people didn't have to rely on their own strength and their own wisdom and their own skills to be able to accomplish the work that God had called them to do. He was saying, I am with you. I will empower you. If you simply give the loaves and the fish that you have, like that little kid, right, who came to Jesus and said, all I have is a small little, you know, sack lunch, but gosh, you know, you can have it. And in the hands of Jesus, those few loaves and fish became a blessing to thousands, That's all God asks of us. He doesn't need you to be some, you know, Billy Graham superstar evangelist that wins thousands of people to to Christ's kingdom. He wants you to bring your loaves and fish, whatever they are, and trust that he'll multiply them in his way and in his time. And that brings us to the third takeaway, is that the gifts of the Spirit are only discovered in the context of serving. You can take all the spiritual gift surveys that you want, (laughs) but until you actually get your feet on the path of serving and see where the Holy Spirit shows up, you're not going to know the ways that God wants to gift you His Spirit because it's not an ability that you possess. It's a manifestation of where God shows up and blesses what you're doing. And so spiritual gift surveys might be helpful because if you've been serving, you can look back on your experiences and go, well, these are places where I think I've seen God show up. But otherwise, it's going to be more of a personality assessment where you're already naturally wired and, 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 and gifted, right? It's not going to be a true spiritual gift assessment. So so until you actually get out and start serving God's kingdom and finding ways where you kind of come to the end of your own ability and see God show up and put his super on your natural, you might not really know how God wants to gift you with the power of his spirit. While gifts of the spirit are not our own abilities, the spirit of God does not work apart from who we are. God doesn't come in and force himself on us and do miraculous things through us without us even participating or trying, right? We have to be willing to to say yes first and take a step of faith and trust that God is going to bless us and use us. Connecting and growing and serving are really all interconnected parts of this discipleship journey that we do in community as part of church. There are no Lone Ranger Christians, and yet Christianity, I've said this over and over again, is a team sport, right, where everyone plays. There are no bench sitters in Christianity. And so it's, it's as we are giving ourselves in service to someone else. And that could be here at church. It could be in your home. It could be at school. It could be at work. 
It could be in the grocery store. It could be at Starbucks on the corner. It's as we are intentionally, knowingly giving ourselves to somebody else in the name of Jesus, opening ourselves to them, that the Holy Spirit shows up and does stuff that we didn't expect or imagine. And he uses our service to be a blessing to others in ways that, that we weren't sure, but, but it becomes a part of our growth and our understanding of how God is wanting to use us and our sense of calling and purpose expands equally as we discover the ways that God is blessing us for his ministry. Paul actually says in Ephesians, and we don't have time to go into it today, but it's in chapter 4, which is another uh, great passage. We read it uh, a little bit of it on uh, the first week of our series. But believers themselves actually become gifts of God to one another. Right? It's, you are the gift that God wants to give to somebody else. We are gifts to one another. That's what it means to be a, a faith community together. That's what it means to be a part of the body as God has given you to us and given us to you to be a blessing. And if you're not intentionally stepping out and using whatever God has given you to be a blessing to the community around you, then you're missing a huge part of how God wants to continue to shape and grow you as a disciple of Jesus and see his spirit working in your life. If we're willing to simply offer the meager loaves and fishes that we have to give, is that fishes or is it fish? Fish, fishies, fishies? Our loavesies and fishies? God promises he'll come along and he'll do a supernatural work and you don't have to worry about it, you don't have to control it, you don't even have to know that it happens. You can just trust that he's going to use it. And someday... When we get to heaven, we're going to hear about all the ways that God has used the gifts that you and I have given that we never even realized had a ripple effect in this world and made a, a huge blessing to people that we never even realized we touched. Everyone is a part of the body, Paul says, and everyone is needed in order for the church to function as the healthy, whole body of Christ that God has designed us to be. And so this fall, we want you to begin to connect and to grow and to serve in new ways. We have this flyer as a way of trying to at least open the door. If you're not connecting, growing, and serving, that, that find some place where you can do that. And like I said, if there's nothing in there, if that's not scratching where you itch, talk to us. Let us know because we want to work with you to help you find a place of belonging and service and growth because discipleship isn't one of the things that we do here at Faith Covenant Church. It's the one thing that we do. And everything that we do is about discipleship. It's wanting to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus so that you can discover his power and his spirit giving you a sense of meaning and purpose and excitement because you know that he is using you to be a blessing to those around you. Now, I have a really long passage that I wanted to read, but I am going to skip it. Yeah, I'm going, to go, I'm going to go to the end, but I'm going to give it to you for homework, okay? It's Exodus 35 and the beginning of 36. And I'll just give you the, the crib notes, right? It's Moses, and uh, uh, God is calling the Israelites to, to come together to build the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, 
And he calls all the people to bring their gifts and their offerings and everything that they have. And, and, and it's not just uh, the, the men, it's the women too. And it's not just the rich people, it's the poor people and it's the skilled laborers. And he goes through this laundry list of all these things that, that people bring as their offerings and their skilled labor and how they, they come together and they build this amazing tent of meeting. And I love the picture of how God calls this community together and what I'll, I'll uh, uh, at the very end, the, the leaders come to Moses and say, hey, Moses, you, you got to turn the tap off. You got to tell these people to stop bringing their offerings because we have more than we need. And in the very end, in verse, or chapter 36, uh, verse 6 and 7, he says, Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more, because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Isn't that a great statement? The people were restrained from bringing more, because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Brothers and sisters, what you have today is more than enough to do all the work that God is calling you to do today. What we have as a faith community here at Faith Covenant Church is more than enough for us to do all the work that God is calling us to do as a church. I love my... My uncle, who you know, used to go, do a stewardship you know, in a giving call, and he would say, you know, the, I have good news and bad news. The good news is uh, we have all the money we need to meet our budget in, at the church this year. The bad news is it's all in your pocket. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, it's the same with our ministry and our time and our talent as it is with our treasure. It's not just your money that God wants. It's your life. And God wants to bless you and use you in ways that you can't imagine, ways that will increase your faith more than you thought you could ever experience, ways that will give you a sense of calling and purpose beyond what you thought God even intended for your life. God wants you to experience the, the abundant life that he gave his son's life for you to have. And yet, too often, we, we don't enter into that. We don't say yes. We don't allow him to use us because we don't respond to the call of Jesus who said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Men, women, the call to discipleship with Jesus is to get on the journey of serving the kingdom of God through the local church and in relationship with the body of Christ. And if you're not doing that, you're not growing as a disciple. And our heart for you is to have your relationship with Jesus become the most important, the most powerful thing that impacts every other relationship in your life. So whether you're an innie or an outie, whether you work better up front or behind the scenes, whether you're a teacher or an artist or you're good with money, whether you work with your hands or you're the consummate host or whether you prefer to be in the kitchen, Jesus wants to use you to be a part of his body and to be a part of this body here at Faith Covenant Church if you so desire. 
And my hope and my prayer is that like the Israelites and Moses in Exodus 35 and 36, everyone who is willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting. May it be so for us as well. Amen. Let's pray. God, I want to just ask for you to forgive us for the ways that we have maybe limited our opportunities to be a part of the church to more extroverted or upfront forms of ministry. Help us to see ways that we can creatively and perhaps in ways that we haven't thought of before, open avenues for all people to connect and to grow and to serve here at Faith Covenant Church, whether they be through more introverted forms of service and connection or the extroverted forms. God, our desire is to say yes to Jesus to be his true disciples. And so we ask now that you would empower us through the gift of your spirit so that we can become truly spiritual people, not because of how good we are, God, but because of how good you are in the ways that you will bless and use us for your kingdom. And we will praise you and we will thank you through Jesus Christ our Lord in whose name we pray, amen.